From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome once again to Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages from the ministry of Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. On today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns will continue this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of the great 19th century English preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Our text for this morning is in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. To him be glory, both now and forever. Heaven will be full of the ceaseless praises of Jesus. Eternity, thine unnumbered years, shall speed their everlasting course. But forever and forever, to him be glory, is he not a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek? To him be glory. Is he not king forever, king of kings and lord of lords, the everlasting father? To him be glory forever. Never shall his praises cease. That which was bought with blood deserves to last while immortality endures. The glory of the cross must never be eclipsed. The luster of the grave and of the resurrection must never be dimmed. O Jesus, Thou shalt be praised for ever, long as immortal spirits live, long as the Father's throne endures, forever, forever unto thee shall be glory. Believer, you are anticipating the time when you shall join the saints above in ascribing all glory to Jesus. But are you glorifying him now? The apostles' words are, To him be glory both now and forever. Will you not this day make it your prayer? Lord, help me to glorify Thee. I am poor. Help me to glorify Thee by contentment. I am sick. Help me to give Thee honor by patience. I have talents. Help me to extol Thee by spending them for Thee. I have time, Lord. Help me to redeem it, that I may serve Thee. I have a heart to feel, Lord. Let not that heart feel no love but Thine, and glow with no flame but affection for Thee. I have a head to think, Lord. Help me to think of Thee and for Thee. Thou hast put me in this world for something, Lord. Show me what that is, and help me to work out my life purpose. I cannot do much. But as the widow put in her two mites, which were all her living, so, Lord, I cast my time and eternity too into Thy treasury. I am all Thine. Take me and enable me to glorify Thee now in all that I say in all that I do, and with all that I have. 
If anything is obvious in this modern society, it is that people are confused, frightened, and uncertain about the future. Where does one look for the solution to the universal problems of guilt, doubt, and temptation? A number of years ago, Dr. Alan Cairns produced a booklet entitled A New Beginning, which deals with such questions as, How may I have my sins forgiven and my guilt removed? How may I be sure that I possess eternal life and that I am not deluding myself? And how may I enjoy the Christian life and live above constant failure and frustration? Dr. Cairns answers these questions from the Word of God. A new beginning is for inquirers into the nature of the Christian message of salvation and for Christians desiring to gain a good grasp of the first principles of the gospel. It is useful for both personal use and for group study and discussion. For a free copy of A New Beginning, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of A New Beginning, and we'll be happy to provide it. this edition of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues to deal with seven essential views of Christ, taking his text from Peter's confession in Matthew chapter 16. When Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, he was revealing several vital truths regarding Christ. First, he is the Christ, the Anointed One, promised all through the Old Testament Scriptures, Next, he is the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. The third view presents Christ as the foundation of his church. The emphasis is not so much upon Peter, but upon Christ himself as the bedrock of his church. As to the erection of the church, the Lord Jesus made it clear that he is the builder. Furthermore, Christ is the King of grace. The keys he gives are not the power to forgive sin, but the opening of the gospel which sets souls free. He is also the conqueror of death, the victor over the gates of hell. Now to continue this message, Seven Essential Views of Christ, here is Dr. Cairns. The church age has not closed. 
certain radio preacher up as well, he's not only up in Pennsylvania, but around America, has been telling people the church age is over. God is finished with the church. Leave every church. Come and get into fellowship with me. How they don't be a church, of course, uh, I don't know. It's as big a conundrum, a conundrum as John Wesley's notion of perfection. Sinless perfection without being sinless. Sort of contradiction in terms, is it not? Well, uh, come join us and we'll not be a church because we call ourselves something else. The church age is over. Don't you believe it? Jesus says, I will build my church. Do you know that gives a great impetus to our evangelism? It gives a great confidence to our missionary work. He's building his church. Go out there. Take your stand for Christ. Go preaching the gospel. If he burdens you for the mission field, go to the mission field. Go because he says, I will build my church. Man may stand against it, but I'll build it. Governments, political and economic systems may rise up against it, but I will build it. I want you to understand this. Look at the map of the world today. South America has seen millions come to Christ in the last years. Millions, tens of millions have been saved. That was the stronghold of the Church of Rome. Until fairly recently, in many South American countries, Protestant missionaries were done to death. to say nothing of the minor discriminations in jobs and education. They were actually put to death. Do you know in Brazil today, there will be more people in Protestant churches listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ than in every Roman Catholic church in the country combined? That doesn't say there are more Christians than Roman Catholics. What it's saying is that Rome is losing its grip in many areas, and millions have been seen throughout South America. When the Chinese communists took over China, they intended to eradicate all thought of God. And that's probably the most fertile ground in the world where more millions have been saved than anywhere else on earth. Lenin, Stalin, and all that crew, they were about to obliterate God and Jesus Christ. They are now no more. Their great empire lies in ashes. And the church of Jesus Christ goes on. I will build my church. And the security of it, of course, is I will build it on me. I am the rock, the foundation stone, though rejected by men, the only sure foundation and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Here then is Christ, the foundation and the builder of the church. When you come to verse 19, you will see that he is the king of grace. Time will only allow me to mention these final revelations that Christ gives of his own person and work. But he says to Peter, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt uh, loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now these are the words of the king, 
planning the spread of the gospel. There is no reference to any papal supremacy in Peter. What he's saying is, I'm putting the keys in your hand. What is a key for? A key is for opening a door. Peter opened the door of the gospel to the Jews. It was Peter who opened it to the Gentiles. Binding and loosing here has nothing to do with either forgiving or retaining sins. Binding is certainly no fit description of the non-forgiveness of sins. No, it's opening a door of knowledge. We have Christ's own words for that. Luke 11, verse 52, he says, Woe unto you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering you hindered. That's what the key means. It's the key of knowledge. It's the key of gospel truth. And he says to Peter, I'm giving you the keys to open the door of knowledge, the knowledge of truth and of eternal life. And in chapter 18, verse 18, what is here said to Peter is extended to all the apostles, for this was their ministry, opening doors with the key of the knowledge of the gospel. Here is the king of grace the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is planning the spread of the gospel. He is still the king of grace. He is still the one who distributes among his people the peculiar gifts, opportunities, responsibilities, and duties to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a lot I would like to say in that if time permitted. But I will just say this, to have a word from the King of Grace giving us any part in the spread of the gospel is the greatest privilege that a man can have. Peter was not a poor man relative to those around him. He was a fisherman. He had his own boat there for his own business. He, we know that he had a home in the big city in Capernaum. In the eyes of the world, Peter was a man of substance and a man with prospects. But Jesus came to him one day and he says, Peter, leave it all and follow me. And I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And here he says to him, Peter, I'm putting in your hand a key that will open doors that are now locked. Behind those doors are the dark habitations of cruelty. Behind those doors, you'll find the blackness of ignorance and superstition and pagan worship, the wickedness of sin. But I'm giving you a key to open the door with this key of knowledge, to let the light of the gospel flood in, to bring men and women of every class and every color and every culture and every creed into the joy of my salvation. I want to tell you, for Simon Peter, that was the greatest privilege he could ever have. It is said that Mr. Spurgeon told his student ministers, if God has called you to be a preacher, do not stoop 
to be a king. The greatest privilege a man can have. And if the Lord would burden your heart to serve him in however humble a capacity. Remember that uh, David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. If God gives you the humblest place in the service of Christ, in the spread of the gospel, then grasp it with joy and give him the very best of your energy, the best of your time. Some of you young people do not plan on giving God the little end piece of your life when you've used all up in the frivolities and follies of the world, then you'll give God what's left. Give of your best to the Master. The best of your time, the best of your talent, the best of your ability, the best that God has given to you when he has saved you and led you into that assurance of himself, then be willing to serve him in the job where you are, in any place where he'll send you, in any capacity that he'll give you. Here's the king of grace planning the spread of the gospel. In verse 21, at the beginning, he speaks of himself as the sacrifice for sin. He must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, and be killed. As Daniel said in chapter 9, 26, not for himself, Messiah the Prince dying, but not for himself. Peter couldn't understand that. He was happy to have a Christ, the Son of the living God. He was happy to have a gospel. He was happy to have the keys of the kingdom to go and open the doors to men and women. But the thought of a dying Christ, of a bloodshedding Christ, was far from his mind. It's still far from the minds of many. But men and women, let me tell you, apart from the blood atonement of Jesus Christ, there's no key. There's no gospel. There's no Christ. There's no salvation. He had to die. Now, when you stop to think of it, why must he go and die? Why? He said, no man can take my life from me. He's the only one who could make that statement. Read the Gospels and see how many times men tried to lay hands on Christ and they couldn't do it. They could not do it. And he didn't raise a violent storm of opposition to them. He didn't whip people up to defend them. He didn't run around with bodyguards. They just could not lay hands on him. No man could take his life from him. So why must he go? Well, here is the imperative of divine love. I must die. For I, having loved my own which are in the world, I love them to the end. He is the imperative of God's eternal purpose. But most of all, here's the imperative of God's justice. 
Christ had to die if God were ever to save sinners. He must go, lay down his life, and that he did. But thank God death is not the end, because at the end of verse 21, he says he would rise again. He would rise again. Up from the grave he arose. He is the conqueror of death. Now get the, the self-revelation. The Lord Jesus is saying, I'm the sacrifice for your sins, but I am the conqueror of death. That's why we sang William Williams' great hymn this morning, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. I think it's one of the most thrilling hymns ever written. I've often spoken to you about uh, listening to the singing before a Welsh international rugby match. For those of you who are uneducated foreigners, rugby is the greatest game in the world. In Britain we say soccer, only we don't call it soccer. That's football. But you've appropriated that name to some Philistine entertainment over here, so we've got to accept you, you say soccer uh, is a gentleman's game played by hooligans. Rugby is a hooligans game played by gentlemen. I don't even know if that's true anymore. But when I was a lot younger, Wales had some of the greatest rugby players in the world. They're not quite so good nowadays. They'll maybe come back. But whether their playing was good or whether it stank, Cardiff Arms Park held 58,000 people. And why they did this, I have no idea. But the Welsh loved to sing. And these 58,000 Welsh men, before the, the opening whistle, they would sing, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. And that was the greatest singing I've ever heard. And when they came to those words, death of death and hell's destruction, it's just William, William's paraphrase of the words of Hosea the prophet, death of death and hell's destruction. That's the name that's given to Christ. He's the conqueror of death. Listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. 
That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 